0: Stick with what you've got. So the message I have this morning is just: I want us to talk about fruitfulness in your life from faithfulness. Because who needs more fruitfulness in their lives? Who wants their their year this year to be stink? Oh no! I'm, I'll say that again. Who wants this year to be stink? Yeah, nobody. Hands <laughs> going up. Jesus. Nobody wants that. We want it to be good. I think. All right, we want this year to be... It's like asking, do you want more ice cream? Or do you want more chicken curry? Yes, the answer is yes. And I've found in my life, following the ways of God always proves to be worthwhile. I mean, why would you follow a God if it wasn't worthwhile? For me, Christianity works. Christianity following Jesus Christ works. It's the way, the truth, and the life. And I've found that faithfulness always leads to more fruitfulness in my life. So I've seen it in my marriage to Katie. You know, you'd say your vows to um, love and honor and sickness and health, for better and for worse, till death do us part. A lot of blank stares, yeah. Anyway, faithfully following those vows should, and I've been fortunate to experience the fruitfulness of marriage, of course it doesn't always work that way, but with God, who is not a mere human, He's Almighty God, He doesn't fail us when it comes to following His commands. Human relationships might change, but with God, it never does. So Mother Teresa said uh, once she was asked by a reporter how she would measure the success of her work. And she looked puzzled for a moment and replied, I don't remember the Lord ever spoke of success. He only spoke of faithfulness in love. So Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control and against their things there is no there is no such law or as my kids say as a song they learn the fruit of the spirits not a banana and the whole lot are the fruits so it's all these things so church unlimited city I believe 2021 I'm expecting to see greater things this year I believe God wants more fruitfulness in our lives I didn't say more success or more money or any of those things although I'm sure deep down we'd love to see that but I do believe God wants to see more fruitfulness in your life and in my life and in the lives of the people that you're sitting around this morning. And uh, I know that it comes a lot of the times by just following the Holy Spirit's leading. You know, the Holy Spirit, our walk with God is not a religious do and don't. It's not a whole bunch of law keeping uh, and ticking the boxes and, you know, turning up and saying, oh, I've done everything correct on the check sheet. The, the, the Christian walk is filled with the Holy Spirit. Unless you're filled with the Spirit and God's leading you, man, it's going to be hard religion. But I do believe at the same time as that, there are things that God lays down. That He says, hey, if you follow this way, if you follow these commands, if you keep these things in your heart, then He will lead us to more and more fruitfulness this morning. So I want us to take a look at the life of Ruth because I think she had a great example of someone whose life was led into more and more fruitfulness. Uh, and at the end of Ruth's life, she was wealthy. She had a husband. She had children. Um, in fact, her grandson is King David. And although she doesn't know it when she becomes, uh, she doesn't know it, but part of her lineage would be that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come out of Ruth's descendants. So she has this amazing story to tell. But it didn't start like that with Ruth. It didn't end. It didn't begin like that for her. So we're going to pick up her story in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. And uh, of course, her mother in law, Naomi, her husband had died. Ruth's husband had died. Her sister in law's husband was dead as well. And things weren't looking good. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me. May it be ever so severely if even death separates you and me. So when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. (coughs) Excuse me. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought brought misfortune upon me." So at this point in the story, Ruth and her mother, they don't look very successful in the natural. In fact, they probably feel completely the opposite of successful. And I don't know, maybe there's a, there's a few people here this morning, you're feeling like life looks like the opposite of what you thought what successful life should look like. Maybe you're feeling like, you know, it was supposed to look like this in my life, but here I am right here, and I'm not sure what's going on. Let me assure you this morning, God's not finished with your life yet. He has the best things in store for you. He works all things together for good, for those who love the Lord. Uh, And Sarah, I'm glad that God's still working on things in my life. Is anyone else glad? God's not finished yet. He's still working on things. And uh, can I tell you this morning, you know, you're, you're not perfect. There's going to be things that God wants to work on and address in your life. And uh, sometimes it's uncomfortable. We don't like knowing that things are wrong in our lives. But I believe when God helps us in His Holy Spirit, we'll pick things up. I don't know what I'm doing. Moving around. Trying to grab things. Is that all right, Sam? We good? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the Holy Spirit was just descending upon that line. We all need the Holy Spirit to build our lives. (laughs) So uh, Ruth begins to move from (laughs) failure So should I switch to maybe the other? Yeah, there we go. See, I can multitask. Ruth begins to move from failure to fruitfulness and success. But the thing is, how? How did she do this? Don't you often wonder, like, how do things change? We're from where I am and what I'm experiencing to where I want to go. What, 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 what are the things that make the difference? If the Christian life is supposed to work, what do I need to do to see it work? And I want to share a few thoughts from her story this morning. So Ruth one do don't urge me to leave you or turn back from me. Where I go, you will go. Where I stay, you will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. If you desire to see more fruitfulness, we must realize that the plans and promises of God are not just for the wise or the rich or the strong or the wealthy or for those who have it all together. Wisdom and strength are not prerequisites for fruitfulness in your life. Are you strong? Are you wise? Have you learned something? Those are good, but it doesn't mean that God cannot bring fruitfulness into your life. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And the fact is, God can't be weak. But even if there was a weakness, it's stronger than any man's strength. And uh, I believe this morning, you know, it's not dependent on our past. It's not dependent on just all our ability or the strengths that we have. And I heard the other day on the radio that the Black Ferns coach, she had to um, uh, sideline some of her players because they'd return back into the season and they weren't, uh, they weren't up to their fitness level to play. And so they didn't even get a look into the team to start playing. And I've heard other sports teams, rugby teams as well, giving their players a hard time because they've, you know, relaxed a little bit over the summer and they haven't come back in full shape. In fact, I actually got a call from the Crusaders. No, I didn't get a call from the Crusaders. But this is what happens in the natural, you know, you go out of shape and then you get discarded and you're not needed anymore. But with God, if we're bent out of shape, he doesn't discard us. If things are going wrong, He doesn't wipe us off. He doesn't kick you off the team. He's not done with you. No, 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 that's not how it works. Our future fruitfulness in God does not hinge on a checkered past. You know, Ruth in the natural, she really didn't have much going for it. She was a Moabite. If you know anything about the Moabites, they were basically not in the good plans of God's books. They were, you know, they were considered enemies or a threat. uh, And they were arch rivals almost to the Hebrews. They were not to be trusted the Moabites, and this is where Ruth is coming from. She's the Moabite. She's the one that's looked down on or discarded or seen as an enemy or a threat, and she's walking into the Hebrew territory. You can imagine the emotion she's probably feeling, walking into a whole new place. And, of course, the parallel here is that we were enemies of God. We were the ones that were on the wrong side. We were the ones that had messed things up. In our heart, because of sin in our lives, we were separated from God. But the good news, friends, is that Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And just like Ruth, we are all qualified and we are exempted and we're brought into the family of God no matter what's happened in the past. So no matter what's happened in previous days or years or years, or relationships, or whatever's happened in your last job, or things like that, does not mean that God cannot be fruitful where you are right now. There can things that can change when we understand that God deals with those things through the cross. So the first key this morning is get your eyes on God. Get them off your past. Depend on His strength and His guidance and His provisions. And I believe God can use things in your background, and your past experiences. I've seen it in my life and your abilities and your talents and things like that when they're surrendered to God. When they're surrendered to God, He can take those things uh, and He can use them. So Ruth had this encounter with the people of God, and she decided that she would be committed to this people that she didn't really know. She would be committed to God and to His people. And I heard a quote once that said, um, commitment is the bridge between decision and change. I'll say that again. Commitment is the bridge between decision and and between change. You know, for a lot of us, we want to change, so we make this, oh, I'm going to change, the decision to change, but then we don't see the change happen. That's where commitment becomes the change. Nothing's going to change unless we decide to commit to that change. We can have as many decision moments as we want, I'm going to change, but unless we commit to that change, it's actually not going to happen, or it's not going to happen perhaps the way that God wants it to happen. So faithfulness is the outworking of that commitment. And also, she had a commitment to God's people. And I believe, you know, we can't do this life alone. You cannot do this walk, Christian walk, on your own. God didn't design it that way. The church is the bride of Christ. It's the family of believers. And the encouragement and the love and the support that you need, that I need, uh, comes from being part of the body of Christ. That's His design. That's His intent for us to grow in our faith. So Ruth decided to be faithful and to follow God. And you know, I had an encounter when I was 12 years old. Uh, and I decided from that moment on, no turning back. This God is for me. This Jesus is for me. And that's why I'm really passionate about our next generation. This Friday night, our youth are coming in here for the first Limitless for the year, uh, for 11, right up to 17-year-olds. So if you've got young people in your house, please, parents, get them get them to youth That's where God turns up. That's where they encounter God for themselves. That's where they meet God personally. I've seen it in my own life, and I'm passionate about that next generation encountering God. Uh, But I know that when that happens, something shifts inside your heart. This commitment to God doesn't become, oh, I should do it because mom and dad. No, no, because I've had an encounter with God. And out of that encounter becomes a fresh commitment. So the second key this morning for more fruitfulness is make a fresh commitment to God's people, to His church, because you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Say to the person next to you, you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. And, uh, you know, I believe that's a huge part. I've seen it in my own life. So, you know, beyond that, Ruth, she's living this life. She's moved country from Moabite into the Hebrew territory. um, But then she begins to work in the field. She begins to um, go into the field and pick up the leftovers. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. And, uh, you know, I believe we've got to do the little things well. And uh says, faithfulness of God is measured by the little things. Zechariah fourteen says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. So there's a story about the Panama Canal, and it says the, uh, the first attempt to dig the Panama Canal across the isthmus of Panama was made by a French company. <clears throat> so men and machinery tackled the mountains and jungles, Jungles And the project was abandoned, however, not because of the mountains, but because of the mosquitoes. Yellow fever from the mosquitoes killed thousands of workers. American doctors found ways of protecting the people against the mosquitoes. And when the mosquitoes were taken care of, the mountains soon succumbed. There's a great difference between the size of mountains and the size of a mosquito. Yet the small mosquitoes did all the damage. More men perish from the bites of the mosquitoes than from the danger of the mountains. And what's the moral of that whole story is basically saying it can be the small things in life that make us or break us. It can be the small things. Jesus put it this way, Luke 19, 17, "'He who is faithful in very little will also be faithful in very much, but he who is dishonest in very little is just also dishonest in much.'" You know, if we pay attention to the little things in our lives and are accountable in those, then God will take care of the big things. So I've seen this in my own life. I remember in 2003, I think it was, um, I began studying for 12 months electrotechnology in Christchurch. And so I began this course of, for a year, and, uh, and I went through the course. There were 16 students on the course. Uh, and throughout the year, uh, you know, there were students that were much better than me uh, on this course. But we got to the end of the year, and uh, we had interviews for in New Zealand to go into the engineering school. And out of the 16, I thought, man, there's no way I'm going to be at the top of the class. Uh, anyway, I finished everything, and we went to the interviews, and they only employed four people. And the top two students, they got the, the first two jobs based in Christchurch. And then the next two students were the only other students that happened to complete the whole course and all the assignments on the course. And one was another guy, and the other person was me. And I thought, oh, and they turned around and said, look, well, we've got a job for you, but you're going to have to move to Auckland. And I thought, oh, yes. And (laughs) I didn't say that in front of my mum, to be honest. I was like, yeah. Uh, But out of those 16 students, I wasn't the smartest, but I just happened to finish everything on the course. So I moved to Auckland and I served for four years on a music team every second week. And, uh, and in time, I'd leave my role of engineering to take up a full-time role, as many of you know, as a music director for our West City Christian Centre, later to be called Church Unlimited. And in the course of time, I'd be asked to go on and pastor a wild bunch of people in Auckland Central and Parnell in the city campus. And anyway, I think I made the right decision. <laughs> but here's the point. If I didn't finish every assignment in that year of studying, I might not be standing here today in front of you beautiful people doing what I'm doing because I did the small things. You've got to do the small things well. You know, I believe that God, He does the miraculous. He does the powerful. He does the incredible. But He partners with us and He asks us to do something. And He asks us to do it well and He asks us to finish things. And I want to encourage you this morning, you know, if you're feeling like you're not seeing the fruitfulness of God you want, maybe ask the question, where is God asking me just to do something small well? Where's he asking me just to do something small that I can complete? Maybe it's just raising the kids well. Maybe it's just caring for a family member that is going through a difficult time right now. It could just be turning up for a job where nobody notices. Could be handling money with integrity or just saying yes to the things that God is opening up in your life. You know, It could be living above reproach when it comes to your professional work uh, environment or the places that God has for you. Could be just working harder on your commitment to be more Christ-like. You know, the things we do when nobody is watching are often the things God is inspecting. Because, you know, He is the one that sees all things. He's the one that knows when we're doing it right. He's the judge of our character, not someone else. He's the one that's looking at that stuff. So if you feel like you're in a place of a bit of a dead job or whatever's happening, I encourage you, do the small things well. God notices. We don't work unto man, we work unto God. So do those things well. I'm telling you, you do that. The fruitfulness of God comes about in your life. And uh, I believe when we do that, he brings the right timing as well in his favor and provision. So there's this next part in Ruth's story. It says in chapter two, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind everyone else in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went to her. Uh, went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvests. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. Or as the NET version says, now it just happened to end up in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. And I believe when we do the little things by the little things, that just so happens of God's begin to happen, and God opens the door in the right way and the right timing. I, uh, I remember serving on our youth music team, and it just so happened that Katie happened to walk into the room that day, and she looked up, you know that first point, look up, and she looked up and she said, who's that guy? <laughs> Strumming away and singing away, and she just, it just so happened, you know, and she saw me, and, and then, you know, and then I just, I just happened to decide to leave Auckland for one year and spend a year in Christchurch after the quakes with my family, working And it just so happened that my dad would pass away halfway through that year and we would be there in the right place and the right time to be with our family. It just so happened. If you need a just so happened in your life, don't go chasing it. Just do the small things. God will do the just so happens in your life. That's how I've seen it work. That's how the principles of the Bible work. And I believe it is for the best when we start looking and recognizing those things. The third key, God will do the miraculous, the incredible, and the wonderful in our lives when we do the small things well. So, the last thing I want to mention this morning is I believe we also need to have a humility in our spirit, in our heart, when we're doing it God's way. Ruth 2, verse 2. Uh, Ruth said, the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain. The leftover grain. Let me go and glean the leftovers, is another version. You know, Ruth, she had no husband. She really, in the natural, had no hope for the future of support. She had no blood relations immediately next to her. She opted for the path of humility, and she picked up the leftovers. You know, I heard on the radio the other day that um, there's a desperate shortage of hairdressers uh, in the South Island. So I don't know what hairstyles are happening down in the South Island, but you probably got everything, right? Dreads and uh, maybe, maybe even the woman are growing the hair. Um, um, no, I will stop right there. Um, anyway, she, she... Why did I say that? The, the lady owner on the radio, she owns four barbers. She has a training school, and she pays above industry standards. Anyway, this is a story I was listening to. And she said she cannot get staff. She cannot get staff. She cannot get anyone to work uh, in, the, in, the, in the shop. And it just made me think about the the Ruth and the attitude of Ruth which was, can I go and just glean the leftovers? Can I go and do the job nobody wants to do? The attitude was, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll take the approach of no one else does it, but I'll do it. Uh, and I believe that sometimes this can be a key to seeing fruitfulness in your life. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in a, in a, in a live, live for now, live for me, uh, your society talks about it. Everywhere you go, it's instant. You know, it's instant. It, it, it's insta. It's everything. You know, you deserve it right now. We should feel entitled to everything. We live for ourselves. But when we caught up in a vision like that, we end up shortchanging the good things of God for the temporary things. And, you know, Pastor Tark spoke really well last week about vision. When you've got a vision for the things of God, you can stick at things. You can persevere. And I encourage you to listen to that message if you did miss it. But doing things God's way can mean picking up the leftovers in life. Come on, church. You know, if you're looking for faithfulness, I encourage you, turn up for that roster when you're on it in our kids' church or on our front door. Help a neighbor out when they really need uh, some help babysitting their kids or whatever God's putting in front of you. Do the path of humility. Learn from Ruth and do uh, the things that don't always look glamorous. You know, gleaning ain't Glamorous. The gleaning isn't glamorous. Gleaning's dirty. It's messy. You get, you, know, you get stuff on your hands. You probably get things caught in your, your fingers. It's not glamorous work. But this is the way Jesus taught. This is the way that the Master instructed us to go. He instructed us to not just live for ourselves, but to place others above ourselves, to recognize that others are the ones we're meant to serve and live for. The truth is gleaning, when it's God's task, can be fun. It can be full of hope. And it can be meaningful if you put your heart and your soul and your mind into it. And you can make a lot of new friends along the way. I remember when I was 18 years old, and I worked in the finest restaurant in all of Christchurch. Uh, KFC was, uh, was the place to be. You know, Dirty Bird, K-Fry, whatever you call it. Uh, you know, man, they used to serve up... oh. Yeah, anyway, so we used to, <laughs> we, I used to turn up, I was 18 years old, so I'd study all week, and then I'd go on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and I would work all night. I'd start at midnight, and I would work all through the night and finish at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. And man, the work, I was a cook, so they'd put me in the cook area, uh, and you'd have all this, this chicken, and you'd put all the chicken, and you put them in the deep fryers, and at the end of the night, the one job you had to do, talk about gleaning, was you had to put your hand down the, the bottom of the oil cooker, it was about this big, down into it, it was called the, all the fat drippings, and you'd have to pull it out, and you'd have to empty it out into this thing they called the, the it was called, the, um, the, it was a container called the devil. <laughs> I don't know why they called it that, but i tell you what, man, this was like a representation, and you'd fill this thing with all these fat drippings, and it was so gross, and it stunk, and it was slimy, and uh, I remember that, but I remember also, that uh, and then I would get, I'd finish it, at like seven a.m. and it would be like minus two degrees on a winter morning in Christchurch, and then I'd get on my nifty fifty. Yep, no, and then you get on there, and then you'd buzz all the way home from one side of Christchurch to the other, and I was half asleep, and you'd be going home like, and you'd you and you'd get to an intersection, and you'd wake up, and then you would drive. I probably came off that thing about half a dozen times, and it was it was dangerous and everything like that. But through it all, I had a great experience working at KC. I can tell honestly hand in my heart. I had a great time. I made a lot of friends. I was able to express my faith through the way I just spoke and lived my life. I was able to be an influence for good and not for bad. I was punctual. I remember turning up on time when a lot of others didn't. I was willing to work a few extra shifts. Uh, and uh, and then within 10 months, they put me in a whole lot of other areas to, to run and to look after and, uh, and I remember having some great moments in that workplace. And I think what I'm trying to say is gleaning isn't all that bad. When you do it God's way, you can actually enjoy. And I want to say, church, wherever you are this morning, God can use you where you are. God can move through you, even if in the natural it seems mundane and it seems pointless and it seems man, no one's even watching. No, God can use you where you are. There can be moments where God turns up. And not just for the people around you, but even for you, where you can enjoy it. You can, uh, you know, um, enjoy being used by God wherever you are, but also understanding that there may be a season that God's bringing you through. That's not the end of the road, but God can use you wherever you are. You know, people often comment to me about when I've led songs and and worship and say, man, it's really anointed and God's really got something on your life. But uh, obviously God does the anointing in the spiritual side. Um, but, you know, for a lot of people probably don't realize for six years, i just played drums in our Baptist church every week, turning up, often after KFC, actually. I'd turn up, yeah, 8 a.m., I'd drive to church, and I'd play every week, for single every single week. And then, you know, I'd lead prayer meetings and worship, uh, which was sometimes very boring, but I did it anyway for seven years. And, um, you know, and what I'm saying is when we do it God's way, He anoints, He appoints, He does the things we cannot do. And I believe we need to live in such a way where we look to God for His timing and His resourcing and His opening, but do the things we can do right now. Do it with a humble attitude. The beautiful words of Jesus in Matthew 23, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The fourth point this morning, walk the path of humility and allow God to work on your character in each season of your life. Faithfulness to God always produces fruit. Philippians one six. as our worship team comes up, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You know, Jesus, he modeled faithfulness. His character was true, trustworthy, and utterly dependable. And we can be that too if we have more of him in our lives. So... Church, this morning, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Where do you want to see more of that in your life? Where do you want to see more of that in 2021? You know, I know, I know for me, um, there's certain areas I'm going, hey, God, I really need to see uh, more of some of these aspects of my life. And I know that you're testing me in these and help me to grow through it. But I think for all of us, we can all say, God, let this not be a year where nothing grows where I don't take anything out of this season. Help me to be humble where you've got me and learn from the things that you're putting me through. Help me just to do those small things well and allow God to have his way. So come on, why do we stand this morning? And uh, I want us just to spend a bit of time in, in worship on that song, uh, Yes and Amen. All his promises are yes and amen. And as we sing, Just allow the Holy Spirit to impress upon your heart what He's saying to you this morning. Where where is He challenging you today? Is it in your humility? Is it in your willingness just to do the small things? Or maybe it's even just saying, God, I just can't get my eyes off the past. And I, and I I need to get my eyes on you. And stop trying to do things in my own strength. You know, that can be so tiring. Trying to do it all in your strength. But when you look to God, He makes a way. So come on, let's worship and allow God just to continue to move.